You're listening to JHE Ministries Bible Study with Jeffrey, Minister and Chaplain with JHE Ministries, and I'm so glad to have you listening here right now. We are starting from the book of James. We're almost through the first chapter, and the last time we left off, we left off with verse 18. So let's jump right into it. We'll begin with verse 19, and I don't know if we'll have time to finish the chapter, but I'm going to finish reading the rest of the chapter, and we'll see how far our discussion goes with the time that we have left. So if you have your Bibles handy, go ahead and turn them to the book of James, chapter 1, and we'll begin with verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now in verse 19, actually through verse 19 to 21, we're going to get into the qualities needed in trials, the practice of the word. And here in verse 19, James gives practical instructions to how we can first be first fruits of God's creatures. It sets forth the practical righteousness which should characterize those who have been born again by the word of truth. We know that we were begotten by the word in order to manifest the truth of God. I want to point out that in the following verses, we see the term word, which is the scriptures. Anytime we see the word, it is referring to the scriptures, the word of God. And here in verse 19, James is attempting to clear the way for the reception of God's truth. In order for we to be receptive to hearing God's word, there is a demand of readiness to listen. You have to be ready to listen to it. Any reluctance at this point will block the acceptance of the truth. So it's extremely important to be a good listener. We should be ready to hear the word of God as well as all godly counsel. Now James begins by calling for the reader's attention. Hence, James starts out with, so then. He is saying, take note of this. We should be teachable by the Holy Spirit. Also, it demands a restrained speech. A continual talker can't hear what anybody else is saying, nor can they hear when God speaks. They're too focused on what's coming out of their own mouths rather than what is being said. Finally, a restraint of anger is also required because anger closes the mind to God's truth. A fiercely argumentative attitude is not conductive to the reception of the truth. So James is warning to control your temper. 
to allow your temper to run free is very dangerous. Now here in verse 20, James says, for the wrath of man. Now the word for indicates that this verse gives reasoning that lies behind the last verse. One's anger doesn't produce the righteous life that God desires. An angry attitude is not the atmosphere in which righteousness flourishes. James stresses this from the positive side when he later says in chapter 3, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. We'll get to the more of that later in chapter 3. But in verse 21, James gives further preparation for the reception of the word. One must get rid of all moral filth. James says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. In saying lay aside, we can also say to get rid of, which was a term primarily used in the ancient Far East of taking off garments, which speaks of throwing off any excessive weight to make ready for the race of faith. We read about this in the book of Hebrews. The moral filth, the filthiness, if you will, and the wickedness or the evil that are so abundant must be stripped off like dirty clothes in preparation for accepting or to accept the word. Now the filthiness here means all impurity, which would be spiritual, mental, and physical. The reception of the truth, the word, must uh, out of necessity be marked by humility or meekness. You receive the word with meekness. Now I want to point out one thing here. Meekness is never to be construed or to be understood as a spineless weakness. Instead, it is the quality of a strong man that allows him to be accepting of this or be submissive to the word rather than being proud or being rebellious. Now, only in this kind of spirit can one fully receive God's truth. Now, the implanted word suggests that the readers were believers who had already possessed the truth. The phrase, able to save your souls, simply describes the truth as saving truth. Now, James isn't calling for an initial acceptance of that message, but for a full appropriation of the truth as the Christian grows in spiritual understanding. At the end of verse 21, take note that only those with submissive, humble spirits can expect to derive the maximum benefit from the scriptures. And before we leave verse 21, I also want to add and stress to stay away from academic study. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, simply I mean that just reading the Bible for information only. By reading the Bible in that way, it's not allowing yourself to fully receive the Word, to totally allow the Word to penetrate your heart and allow the Word to sink in. One final thought. The Bible is the instrument God uses in the new, new birth. 
He uses it in saving the soul, not just from sin, but from the from the words, but the words power also saves us from the damage in this life. Now, in this verse, the word is the agent of the soul's salvation. And in verse 23, we are taught in the word, if we do what it says, we'll, we will be blessed. And we'll get to more of that in just a moment. But getting into verse 22 now, James discusses putting the word into practice. Now, we are told here that it's not enough to listen or just read the word, but we must obey the word too. Those who congratulate themselves on being hearers of the truth are deceiving themselves. If they assume that this is all that is needed to earn them a position of special favor with God, they are sadly mistaken, folks. In reality, the responsibility of those who hear is far greater than those who have never heard, but if they don't combine doing with hearing, they put themselves in a very vulnerable position. Now, the call to do what it says lies at the center of all that James teaches and actually sums up the whole book. Put into practice what you profess to believe. So be doers of the word and not just receive it. Don't be merely listeners to God's word, but put the gospel into practice. Now we have arrived to verses 23 and 24, where James proceeds to explain why people should do more than merely listen to the truth by using the illustration of a man who looks at his face in a mirror. Now the man carefully studies his face and becomes thoroughly familiar with its features. Those who listen to the word do so attentively and at length so that they can understand what they hear. Now, any failure to respond can't be blamed on lack of understanding. That's why I've said many times that studying the Bible, it isn't a race. It's more of a marathon. If, you, if one just reads to be reading or rushes through and doesn't understand anything that they've read, they're just going through the motions and they're not receiving any benefit from it. Now, James goes on to further explain that upon going away, the man who has been looking in the mirror immediately forgets what he looks like. For him, it is out of sight, out of mind. Now, this sounds ludicrous, but no less ludicrous than the believers who listen carefully to God's truth and don't remember to put it into practice of what they've heard. Now, listening to the truth is not an end in itself. The purpose of listening to truth is to act upon it. Theoretical knowledge of spiritual truth or academic study of spiritual truth is never commended in Scripture. Knowledge is inseparably tied to experience. You have to have both. Believers gain knowledge through experience, and such knowledge is intended to affect subsequent experiences. Now, every time we turn to the Scriptures we should allow them to change our life for the better. The Word must become living in our hearts and our lives, hence the living Word of God. Now, verse 25, James gives us a contrast to those who listen to the Word, 
but do not do what it says. To now, where James describes one who both listens and also puts into practice what he has heard. James says we need to study the scriptures carefully to find out the sins in our lives, translate those, and put them into practice. The man who listens to the word and does what it says will be blessed in what he does. You have to listen and accept the word and then do what the word says to do. The reason for this blessing is fourfold. First, because he looks intently into God's truth, he's searching out the message of it. Secondly, he continues to do this and he meditates it on, on it daily. Thirdly, or the third reason, he doesn't forget what he's heard. And lastly and fourthly, and probably most important, he puts the truth into practice. Now, this is what James calls the perfect law of liberty. And let's take a look at this term that James uses, the perfect law of liberty. I think this deserves some special attention. The word law reveals his Jewish orientation and that of his readers. But he qualifies this word to make sure uh, qualifies this world to make sure that his readers don't misunderstand, describing it as perfect and as characterized by freedom. It is not merely the Old Testament law, nor is it the Mosaic law perverted to become a legalistic system for earning salvation by good works. When James calls it the perfect law, he has in mind the sum total of God's revealed truth not merely the preliminary portion found in the Old Testament, but also the final revelation made through Christ and his apostles that was soon to be written in the New Testament. Furthermore, it's freely accepted and fulfilled with glad devotion under the enablement of the Spirit of God. So let's sum it up so far. What are we to do with God's Word? Well, we should, number one, receive it. Number two, hear it. Number three, we should do it. And number four, we should always examine it. Now, finishing up chapter one, we have verses 26 and 27, where we talk about pure religion. Magnificent passage, where James points out three specific areas where truth should be put into practice. And I'm going to leave off for there now because we are running out of time. So next time we will finish up chapter 1 and we'll get into chapter 2. So chapter 20, or verse 26 and 27, we'll finish off with what James is talking about with pure religion. So be sure to join me back next time so we can finish chapter 1 and move into chapter 2. Thanks for all for listening. And until next time. God bless you all, and keep living Christian strong.